This episode is brought to you by the Inspire Collection by Kalia. Just because you're working out doesn't mean you shouldn't look fabulous. The Inspire Collection by Kalia was designed with both style and performance in mind. It looks good, feels good, and stays put no matter how you move. And the collection has everything you need for a day at the gym. A support bra, crop tanks, bike shorts, amazing leggings, and more. It's their most versatile collection yet. Shop the Inspire Collection by Kalia now, exclusively at Dick's Sporting Goods. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Hello, I'm Josh Whittacombe. And I'm Rob Beckett. Welcome to Lockdown Parenting Hell, the show in which Rob and I discuss what it's like to be a parent during lockdown, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, in an effort to make some kind of sense of the current situation... And to make me feel better about my increasingly terrible parenting skills... Each episode we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how well they're coping. Or hopefully not. And we will be hearing from you, the listener, with your tales of lockdown parenting woe. Because, let's be honest, none of us know what we're doing. I mean, we don't know whether our sound quality is any good, do we? You sound all right to me. Yeah, and you sound all right to me. Let's do it. <laughs> well, just hopefully it sounds all right to everyone else. I mean, okay, Rob. I mean, what else can you do? Like, I can't, like, you sound all right, so I don't know what I'd suggest to make it better. I, I think you're a bit trebly. <laughs> yeah, can you just um, lower the gain? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I know what bass and treble is. I don't know what gain is. No, Surely, no, you don't I want no less gain. gain. No one wants less gain. <laughs> You know I mean? People at home are sat there going, fucking hell, guys, could do with a bit less gain on this. <laughs> oh, I've had to stop listening to them. So he's so gainy. There's a gain everywhere. Um, right, right, do you want to do the intro? Yes, hello. Um, hello and welcome to Lockdown Parenting Hell with... George Beckett and George Widdicombe. Oh, oh, George Beckett and George Widdicombe. That's George nice. Beckett and George Widdicombe. Oh, so that is from Sylvana Nichols. This is, uh, yeah, her son, Angelo. Uh, who is fourth birthday was on October the 9th. He has regressed in his toilet training recently oh, since no. the birth of his sister three months ago. He seems to want to go anywhere except the actual toilet. We have found turds under the kitchen table behind the door and even next to the toilet. A few weeks ago, he urgently needed to do a wee when we went out to buy ice cream. He would have wet his pants, but in a frantic panic, we pulled down his trousers and indicated him to discreetly do it between two cars in a very busy central London high street, <laughs> thinking that people would turn a blind eye. But who only went and got out the cars but Linda Robson from Birds of a Feather? Oh, she's a lovely woman. <laughs> yeah, I bet she is. If you were going to shit behind a car, it would be Linda Robson's. <laughs> you, you choose Linda Robson's? Yeah, um, little facts about Linda Robson. Joe Swash lost his virginity in her family bathroom. Oh, my word. <laughs> So seeing someone shit behind your car is neither here nor there. Wearing Spider-Man socks, but that was more of an indication that he was quite immature for an older age than he was too young to lose his virginity. What kind of weird ITV sex party was this? (laughs) It was the Birds of the Feather rap party. He had a bit part as a burglar. Um, (laughs) Oh, you like that, didn't you, John? It's my kind of of (laughs) humour. Should we t- let everyone know what's going on here? Uh, Michael's just texted saying, give us, th- give me three minutes. Uh, his phone died overnight and he slept through. So let's say the situation. Oh, has he, has he texted back? He's just texted us. Well, I'm going to tell him we've started recording. Give us five minutes. Right. Tell, tell the world what our setup is. Basically, we agreed 10 a.m. Um, Sunday to record the podcast for the following week. Goes out on Tuesday. And um, we were already bright and early, weren't we, Josh? Yeah, I've been ready for hours. Yeah, you are on fire this morning, by the way, Josh. I'm very impressed with what you've done. Um, Michael, the producer, no answer, nothing. Zilch, no response. 
Kept on ringing him. He's just text now. I mean, it's 10 a.m. What, what kind of sick? He's oversleep. The, the thought he's not got children of someone oversleeping. Oh my God. Till I mean, quarter past 10 is one of the most astonishing things that I've ever heard in my life. Also, oversleeping and being late is probably one of the worst things you can do at work, right? And I would say, if your work is producing a parenting podcast where the hosts moan about lack of sleep, it's surely <laughs> the worst place to have overslept. <laughs> anyway, we've managed to sort out our own recording. Yeah, well, you've done that, Josh. You went, I've worked out. I just need to sign up to this website and I can send you a link and it'll be fine. So let's find out if it's fine. You can be the judge, guys, because we're going to end this recording and start up with Michael. So this has all been set up by Josh Widdicombe. Okay. Yeah, I've got no idea how to save it or anything like that. (laughs) So you may hear this, you may not, but we're going to stop this now and then we're going to start a new recording with Michael and you can maybe let us know the difference and potentially if we need to get rid of Michael. Because <laughs> at this rate, we're flying. We're flying on our own, guys. We are. But if I if I ever have to uh, if I ever have to edit this, we're in serious trouble. Oh, I'll, or I could edit. I could edit. Well, I mean, I yeah. If I was to edit it, it would just be the bit about Joe Swash losing his virginity. That'd be the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and we would get cancelled within about two weeks. But what a couple of weeks of shows. <laughs> <laughs> would release. Um, right, okay, let's stop right. this one, Josh. You're in charge, and then we'll come back in a minute. So, listeners, we're back. We have Michael here. Hello, Michael. Hello. How are you feeling this morning? I'm a bit tired, a bit groggy. <laughs> how long have you been? How long have you actually been awake for? Because it's like it's ten thirty-three now, ten thirty-five uh, now. I when I I woke up, I glanced over, and it was ten nineteen. Oh, okay. So you're, yeah, you're, you're barely awake. Um, how can I? I've got a quick question. I'm sure Josh has got some for you. How is it possible to oversleep and be late for a job that is in your own house? Because <laughs> you were, te- to be fair, to you, you were technically at work. Yeah. So you weren't late to work. You got there, but you were just asleep at work. Well, so, uh, the, yeah. the worst thing is, like, I didn't even have a late night. It's not like I'm sort of drunk or hungover. I genuinely just had a really busy week, went to bed exhausted. What time uh, did you go to bed? I mean, it's about 1am by the time we got to bed, which is quite early. Oh, that, is late, that is Sicko. a late night. You mad bastard. 1am? That's really early for me. I'm a, I'm a night owl. <laughs> so. God, it's like having a fox edit the podcast. <laughs> The last time I saw 1am was because I was getting up. It wasn't because I was going to bed. Also as well, I don't don't know if we want to do this on air, uh, Josh, but um, there's also been a couple of uh, issues with the podcast going up day late. I don't know if you wanted to sort of apologise or explain to the listeners. (laughs) Yeah, I I am sorry, listeners. The barrage of um, social media messages that we get tells me that it it does matter precisely (laughs) when. It's just a podcast, guys, but no, no, it really it really does matter. All I can say is it's been a very, very busy two weeks for me. A little shameless plug. I've had a uh, feature documentary in, in the cinemas. Oh, so he turns up late and now he's plugging his film. <laughs> I'm like Russell Crowe. I just rock up. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> Um, yeah, you've been you had a, a film out, haven't you? Yes, so that's been a, a very busy uh, distraction, which is it's done now because well, I say it's done. They close the cinemas, so they fucked us over. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's a plug for a film you can't go and see. But it is available on Amazon and etc. Right? On yes, it is. It is on uh, VOD if you want to rent or buy it. What's it called? But I can't bear this. I can't... Michael, you're the, you're not the king of promo. You, you've got to say what it's called. <laughs> I can't believe the amount of stiff neck promo I'm listening to it. Go for it, Michael. Promote the shit out of it. You don't even said the name of it yet. Uh, the film is called One Man in His Shoes. If you enjoyed The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan Netflix documentary, then I think you'll like this. So. One Man in His Shoes. About trainers, isn't it? Yeah, it's about trainers. It's about marketing. It's about corporate accountability. I, I wouldn't lead with corporate accountability on the pro, on the on like you know if you're on Jonathan Ross, Michael, but. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about anyone else. I'm at home guard. I really want to watch a documentary about corporate accountability. You haven't mentioned that it's about Michael Jordan as well. It's, made, it's about Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, lead with Michael Jordan. And Guys, then... there's a reason why I'm behind the mic, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Uh, well, thank you, well, Michael, for explaining all that and yeah. explaining why there's been a couple of late episodes and you've had a busy time. But, you know, we're all getting through this lockdown together, aren't we? So we won't judge. And yeah, my parents had to re-listen to a Daisy May Cooper episode the other day because they were also as well. I do think it's a bit unfair when they get furious about a free podcast being oh, a bit mate. late. Do you know what I mean? Like, just <laughs> tell me you know, about it. Just back off a bit, yeah. You've not paid for it. Don't get up up in my face. It's it's comic book guy, isn't it? Basically, it's yeah. the worst worst episode ever. It's like <laughs> we're, giving, we're giving you this for free. 
Shall we, uh, Michael, should we crack on and then you can, um, you know, yeah. work out your next documentary about corporate accountability or sort of tax evasion and <laughs> stuff like that? All right, over to um, you guys. Thanks, Michael. Oh, well, sounds... I think we've, we've more or less done Monday. <laughs> I mean, Tuesday. We've more or less you've done never, Tuesday. You've got, talking about what day it goes out, you you always call it Monday's episode. Well, I've, I, honestly, I've, I've thought Michael's been putting out the first episode of the week late for six months. I don't know what... <laughs> That's how laid back you are. Just I don't want to mention it to him. It has been six, 50 episodes now, a day late. Uh, a couple of things. No more nappies in our house. All gone. No more nappies. Nighttime nappy has Forever. been vanished. Yes. You might have changed your last nappy, Rob. Well, I want to be a modern dad, but I want to be an old-fashioned granddad. I do not want to do nappies ever again. <laughs> I want to be an old-fashioned granddad, sat in a chair with slippers on, and sort of grandchildren are brought to me like a sort of old-school Victorian businessman. <laughs> and they're there, and they look nice. I don't want to see them dirty. I don't want to do a nappy. I don't want to feed them. I just want them to be brought to me when they look nice. But as a dad, I'll do it all. But as a granddad, yeah. that's going to be my, yeah. my aim. So, but no more nappies. Would you do... These are some granddad things. I'm going to ask you some granddad things. I want you to give me a yeah. yes or a no. Yeah. Okay, so nappies? No. Getting them to sleep in the early days because your daughter's struggling? No. Taking them one-on-one to the zoo? Yes, when they're older. Yes, when they're older. I hate holding babies, Josh. Do you? Even my own. I don't want to get anywhere near them. I've said it before. It's like it's just too much pressure and stress, and it's fragile. And it's like having a, a, a tray of like eight pints of lager. <laughs> it's just that nothing can be improved from having a baby in your arm. It can only dramatically get worse. <laughs> so you've held your last baby. You, I've held my- you changed your last nappy. <laughs> I've held my last baby and I've changed my last nappy and I'm tapping out. I don't want, I just hate it. You don't, you never, oh, you get used to it. You never get used to wiping shit out of an ass. And I'll say that as a moment of experience of it. You just, it's awful. Have you stopped with your own ass as well? Yeah, I just leave it now. I just, um, you know, I just wait until the sprinklers come on in the garden and wash my ass there like some sort of outdoor bee day. Um, you'll love this as well. What uh, the, that was, so the three-year-olds, no nappies. Also, the three-year-old said to me the other day, when I was uh, walking her back from nursery, it's quite a busy sort of street. She's sort of saying hello and stuff all the time. And she said to me, Dad, why do you call people mate all the time? <laughs> so she's picked up. Me, all right, mate, 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 mate. Like those seagulls in Finding Nemo. <laughs> it just really made me laugh. Yeah. Said, why do you say mate all the time? Oh, you're, you're raising someone who's of a different social class to yourself, Rob. That is, <laughs> I know. That is exactly. very clear. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm basically, I'm, I'm breeding the enemy. You are breeding the enemy. Yeah. It's a nightmare. <laughs> Genuinely, you feel like you're in, you feel quite chipper. I'm pretty chipper, actually. Yeah, it's been pretty good. I think the, the second lockdown, it's like with the kids going to school, it makes all the difference, really. Yeah. Because, you know, and we can go to parks. Uh, you know, this is we record this Sunday morning and Lou, um, it's the worst weather I've ever seen in South East London, has decided to take the kids to Hever Castle on her own in a monsoon. I said, just stay in out, just stay indoors and give them sweets. She's like, no, they're going, they'll go mad. I'm taking them out. So she literally took like torrential rain. We went to... Epping Forest in the rain yesterday. Yep. Uh, and that was very nice indeed. And then the whole way around, because we'd been before, my daughter was like, um, are we going to get the small biscuits afterwards? <laughs> okay. Which, because uh, there's a little kind of refreshment shack. We'd only been once before, three months ago, but her main memory was getting a bag of mini cheddars. So she was just <laughs> going on and on. Saying, are we going to get the small biscuits? Are we going to get the small biscuits? That this, so this is that what happened with the mini cheddars. We got to the refreshment thing, and bear in mind, Rob, we were this was in the year twenty twenty, cash only. Oh, who's not paying tax on mini cheddars? I say, <laughs> come on, have some self respect. So we couldn't get other mini cheddars. Oh no, cashless Widdicombe, the media elite finally tripped up in Essex, <laughs> and then. Another parent queuing up said, "We'll buy you. We'll buy her the mini cheddars." The people oh, behind us bought us the mini cheddars. That is lovely. Absolutely is lovely. Life. You know, and they say Britain is broken, but no. So no cheddar, no cheddars. No cheddar, no cheddars. That's what they said. Um, <laughs> we should say that these people might well have been paying tax. They just enjoyed cash, but 
Come on, mm, get, yeah, get yourself on. a little card machine. Anyway, <laughs> to be fair, they might have had bad signal in the forest. They so might have had bad I, I, signal I, I'm, in the I'm forest. Just, this is, there's no facts based on this. Normally, though, if someone only takes cash, I'm suspicious. And I'm talking as a son of a black cab driver. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they were, they were very, very anti-card machines. You're the son of a black cab driver. You're on a TV show with Jimmy Carr. You, you know people, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm on a HMRC watch list. No port of my own. <laughs> Everything's above board. Don't you worry. Tom Allen, hello. Wow, what a great introduction. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you, wow. You, don't, you don't overdo it. You're not very American with your introductions, Ooh, are you? I was going to say, You yeah. might know him from <laughs> Bleak Expectations on Radio 4. Winner of So You Think You're Funny, 2000 and what, Five? three? Something no, like that? Five? Author, podcaster, writer, comedian, alcoholic. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Wine man. That's much better. Um, I don't know why, yeah, I don't know why I was, because literally, I don't know if your listeners will hear this, but Rob went, all right, Josh, you introduced Tom. And then I was expecting like a proper rundown, a bit like what you've just done. And then you just go, it's Tom. <laughs> no, you didn't even say that. You went, Tom Allen, hello. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you worry that if you don't get your kind of description and credits read at the start, you're not kind of sure what character you're bringing into the interview? Is that your worry? That's my, that's my fear. I want people to know what they're getting. I want to limit their expectations. They go, I can't stand that bloke. Oh, it's that one. What do people say to you in the street, Tom? When they say, if they're not quite sure of your name, they'll go, oh, you're that, do they, have they got a thing? Because they all say to me, you're the bloke with the teeth or jungle. I forgot, I forgot that you were a jungle musician before you were a comedian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> before me and Goldie fell out. <laughs> they say to me, oh, hello, hello he's that, I, they usually are nice. And then as I walk away, they go, that's the bloke. No, that's the one from, uh, no, not that one, the other one. Um, we should clear up at the start, Tom, how many, so how many kids have you got? Um, none that I know of, but also <laughs> I know that I have none. I know that I have none. You can be very confident on that. Confidently none. And Lord knows I've tried. So Rob, why, why have we booked Tom? Why? Well, well, I think the reason we booked Tom is, uh, he has one, a USB microphone. One. He has a nice microphone. Oh, he forgot the cable. Right. <laughs> yeah. One. <laughs> He was available. No, one, Tom's very funny, which is always great for a podcast. But also, um, Tom, you still live at home with your parents. So this show is yes. lockdown parenting hell about being, you know, locked in with your kids. So we thought we'd get the other side of it. And a lot of the children that are at home through lockdown are too young to appear on a podcast. But you are <laughs> only just old enough yeah, to explain what it's like. 37 and at home with your parents. So how, yeah. how, how is that? You know what? Actually, I, I do like it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> there are times when it's a bit stressful. Like I don't, I don't have my own television, for example. So, and I'm always a bit conscious. Of making do they not let you have one in your room, Tom? No, I'm not allowed. <laughs> it's lights out at nine. Yeah. I was, do you know what? I was never allowed a television as a child. And it was only when the neighbours were throwing away an old black and white one that you had to tune um, manually to get the different channels. That was the only television I had in my room. I wish I'd kept that now. Is it, did you clash in lockdown? Was it, do, do you ever like, because sometimes I find when I go back to my parents, I can revert to being a child sometimes. We argue over things and I'm like, I'm 34, but I'm arguing with my mum like I'm 13. Do you obviously, like, you know, normally it's okay, but sometimes slip into those old sort of habits? Um, no, actually, we sort of moved a bit beyond that. I, the one thing I found, well, during lockdown is, so they will, they have their own televisions each. They have one each, which is very nice. <laughs> They'll watch const, almost constantly Channel 5 uh, farming programmes, um, especially my dad, who loves to say, like, come and have a look at this, Tom, look at this. And I'll walk in, it'll be like a cow. And I'll be like, <laughs> I've seen a cow before. Look, have a look, Tom, come in here, look at this. But have you seen, seen a cow's tongue, Tom? <laughs> Yes, probably on that farming programme I have, yeah. <laughs> and Country File. They love farming programmes. We live in the suburbs. So there's that. I don't mind that, but I, I did find... I didn't argue, but I realised I was sort of going, oh, I'm going out for a run now, as though I was going... Or I'm going out for a walk, as though I was sort of asking for permission during lockdown. I was like, <laughs> I don't need to tell them where I'm going all the time. Like, it's my time. It's my life. Um, I'm allowed to go out for a walk whenever I want. I don't need to ask anyone's permission or tell them. But like now, now I've been able to go back to work and stuff. I find that's, I bury it deep down inside and then pay um, a therapist to talk to about it. 
but I, uh, you, you know, things like, will you be in for dinner? What are you doing tomorrow? Well, potentially I have like 11 things on in a day, which range from recording a television programme to doing Josh and Rob's podcast. That's at one end. Um, down to... <laughs> down to maybe a, a conversation with my accountant about VAT or something. And so, you know, and they're like, they sort of want to know all of that. And I go, well, what did I tell? And then, but of course, when I start telling them, they don't, they're not able to just go, I can't just go, well, I'm doing Rob and Josh's podcast. They're like, what, well, what's that about? And then I'll have to give them like a briefing on that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, why am I, I'm briefing you now on my life and I'm finding it hard enough to keep on top of it myself. And I don't know if I'm going to be home for dinner or not. <laughs> But you know what I find most troubling about that? Are they not aware of what our podcast is about? Are they not across the iTunes charts? They Tom? don't know what podcasts are. I do like podcasts, but the way people talk about them as though they're this new renaissance, I'm a bit like Radio 4. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is like very on brand. Like, like Radio 4 has literally been a podcast machine for the last hundred years. And it's only in the last six months people are like, oh my God, there's this brand new thing. I just really got into podcasts. Like, it's a fucking radio programme. Sorry. <laughs> swearing i don't know if this is yeah, that's, that's fine, fine. You can swear. Do you know what? that's one of the advantages of podcasts over radio 4 tom yeah <laughs> but i should point out i am recording this in a vicarage i'm not going to tell people why i just want them to know i'm recording it in a vicarage and um and so i do feel bad about swearing in the vicarage can i ask a question then so you're 37 you've you lived with your pet you live with your parents what's your your history with living with your parents i moved out when i was like 23 and i lived away for about seven years and mum and dad hated it. Like, they really disliked it. And I lived in... How far did you live? Kentish Town and Camden. So the other side of London, in a way. Mm. Um, and they were just aghast that I was spending this money on rent, which was like, <laughs> at the time, wasn't really that much in the context of London rent. But they were like, what? You're spending that much to live in this house? That's all... And they had no concept of, like, but why would you want... Like, if, if I turned around and gone because I want to see what it's like to be an adult and live on my own. They would have been like, what? What's that? Like, they were like, you just stay at home, then you don't have to spend any money, and then everything's taken care of, and we're all close together and all safe. Um, and so they had no, they would like, particularly my dad, when I lived in an ex-council flat in Euston, my dad was like, why? Why do you live in here? Why do you live here? It was, they took it so personally. They had no idea about why a, a, somebody in their 20s would want to like live independently with friends in the middle of a city. They were like, they weren't like, wow, this is fun. You're gonna have a great time living here. There was like none of that. It was like, <laughs> what? Why? And so that then became like guilt and fear. So then I moved back. Um, I moved back because I was like, I'm gonna save for my own, try and save for my own place. And that was sort of seven years ago. And then it's just like, oh, well. Do you think it's, they don't want you to go and you feel a bit guilty about going or do you also really like it at home? Or is it a bit I, of both? A bit of both, I think. Like, yeah. I think on one part, I am like, they guilt trip me a bit and I feel bad about the idea of leaving. But then I actually realise I do like it because I have company there. If I lived on my own, then, then you know, I'd get back late and then, I, you know, I wouldn't see anybody when I get in. And then I wake up in the morning and there'd be no one, you know what I mean, no one to chat to. Whereas mum and yeah. dad, of course, are up early watching Frasier followed by Lorraine. Um, <laughs> So what you can move in with me. That's what I do as well. Well, I just move it. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So they're, um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I sort of think, well, it's quite, I quite like being around them. But is that weird? I think that's probably weird of me. I'm tugging at the yeah. apron strings. No, I'm, the sort of person, I'm the sort of person they quite enjoyed marching off to the First World War, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you are, Tom. <laughs> to be fair, though, I think, I think sometimes... The perception of you is that you've lived at home forever, but you, you did live oh, away yeah. for a bit and then you moved back in with them and stuff. And as your, you know, comedy career really sort of took off and you become like basically a national treasure and you're everywhere. And like, you've not really had much time. Like it's a bit of a sweet deal, really, because you're so busy. You just you're not at home that much. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So it's quite a good setup until, you know, you, you eventually, I imagine, will buy somewhere. And then that's when the work will dry up and I'll have no way to pay for it and I'll have to sell myself. Sell and then you'll have body. to move back in your parents. Yeah, and rent yeah. out the house. <laughs> um, I've, I've got two, two follow-up questions, Tom. Go uh, on, Because I'm genuinely fascinated by this. I feel, like I'm the, I feel like I can answer a lot of questions that have been building up for a time here. Yes. Um, why haven't you got a girlfriend? No, um, so... Yeah. <laughs> um, question... Never, never found the right one. <laughs> I, nearly, I, nearly, I nearly ruined the whole podcast. What? 
really been sick my coffee over the laptop then, and I still haven't swallowed it properly. So question one, how big yeah. is the house? Like, have you got, how much of your own space have you got? I've got a bedroom mm. and I've got, and I use this, there's like a spare bedroom that's a study. So I use that. Yeah. Um, and, and how much, do you own any of your own things? Like your own crockery I bought, or? I bought, uh, oh, I've got a couple of plates. But I bought two chairs once from made.com and dad was like, why, why are you wasting your money on that? You should be saving for a house. I was like, you, what? I'm going to need something to, to put in it, dad. I might need something. Yeah, do you know what I mean? If I you buy don't someone, actually, you've, to... you've never bought a bed though. You don't own your own bed though, do you? Is that right? Mattress, I've got a mattress. You've so got a mattress. I could be a heroin addict. Yeah, I could be a heroin addict. <laughs> um, and do you have any siblings? Yes, I have a younger brother and he lives in Tunbridge Wells. So he's yeah. flown the nest. Yeah. I know. How, how's that gone down? Well, they love it. Like, mum and dad love Tunbridge Wells. But, uh, like, he said to me, oh, I just bought this flat. I didn't tell... I didn't ask mum and dad about it. I just did it. And I think that's the way they like to get a bit involved, you know? They like to be like, oh, well, I wouldn't buy... Well, you want to live there? Well, you've got to think about... Well, and then there's this, and then there's that. You know, every time I looked at a flat, they're like, well, you've got to think about the service charges, and you've got to do this. And what if you've got noisy neighbours, and you want that view? And, you know, so it's best just not to talk to them, really. Did you, didn't you buy like a cushion or chair or something and then your mum rearranged it or booked Oh, I redid cushions. my room in a beautiful way. And then <laughs> mum went with Auntie Christine to Dunelm um, in Croydon and came back with this like absolutely not sanctioned, not approved lamp, which was horrible. It emitted no light. It was like that like rip off fake rose gold and, um, and a filament light bulb inside. And I was like, what's this dog shit? Um, and, and a massive blue, like an orange pillow, which I didn't want. I don't have any orange in my room. And I was like, the one thing I made for myself and you like tried to put your own stamp on it. Like, <laughs> just stay in Dunelm. Stay in Dunelm. <laughs> All this shit. Sorry, it's sounding a bit angry, this, isn't it? No, it's, really it's, quite it's fun, fine. Isn't it? I was going to say, and do you, like, um, do you, pl- would you want to have kids yourself? Or Absolutely is it not? Absolutely not. So it's just Absolutely totally no. Absolutely not. No, you can keep that. Because um, <laughs> you, you've spent time with my children and josh's they've only just stopped they've only just stopped crying when they see me rob let's be honest no that's only because you've got a deep voice but you do say that it's not it's because they the children see the poison in my soul but (laughs) um and it terrifies them but they i'm okay with it now i don't like i I used to worry about it but actually i don't care i mean i do do genuinely love both i've met both your children's um and um i do really love them but i'm not going to start like making effort with new ones, you know what I mean. <laughs> You've got yeah. some that you calf like. Yeah. What if? Yeah. If someone's got a child now, they want to introduce me to, and it doesn't like me, I'm not going to worry about it. You know what I mean? Would you ever? I'm not going to start buying it <laughs> or anything like that. It's a waste of time. They don't appreciate it anyway. Yeah. Never send a thank you note. If you were to have kids, though, Tom, what kind of parent do you think you'd be? Oh, awful. Put them straight in an orphanage. Yeah. <laughs> awful. <laughs> Get rid. No, but Get like, uh, just from the point of view of like, you were obviously a, a, an extrovert of a child and, you know, your mum and dad probably had to parent you differently to your brother because <laughs> you were very different the way you sort of approached life. So what, yeah. do you think that would have an impact on how you would have been a parent? If like, How would you, if, if, if you it. were your own son, how would you have parented you as a child, obviously being a bit different? And if people don't know, your book's incredible, No Shame. It's about your sort of oh. childhood and growing up to become a comedian and stuff and how different you were and you'd you know you'd you dress up in all these flamboyant outfits and stuff and almost just pretend to be a victorian type character of of, of your own life how mm-hmm. do you think your parents parented you in the right way like that you would have done it or well, you know? i think i mean i always feel a bit a bit bad that i talk about them and i get like annoyed with them on stage and stuff but i think you know fundamentally can you imagine like they just innocently decided to have a family and then they were presented with this <laughs> I mean, talk about like what it looks like on the website and what it turns up as and um and you know and i think that they kind of they were suddenly presented with this like flamboyant character who couldn't connect with other children because he felt like he was 46 years old and that's quite a tall order isn't it for a coach driver from penge and um you know and i just sort of wanted to be this flamboyant character all the time and who wanted to just sort of be treated as an adult. And I think yeah. that was hard for them. You know, my dad was brought up and, you know, my dad was born during the Second World War. You know, very different. So I think they did their best, really. And I do have to acknowledge that. But I think, um, 
if I was doing it different, I'd, I don't know, I like, you know, you like to go like, oh, well, of course I'd be like, I'd have so much time and I'd honor every feeling and acknowledge every insecurity. But in reality, I'd be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, to be honest, my parents have always been very caring. And in mm. a time... Oh, yeah, they're such lovely people. They're all, they're all, they, they love you so much and everything's in their... Just so you know, that yes. sounded like you were being sarcastic, but I know no, you're not. True. No, it's true. Go, oh, yeah, yeah, they're such lovely people. They love you so no, much, they Tom. Are, they are the kindest, because I've, you know, me and Tom are really good pals. I've spent a lot of time with his parents. They're the loveliest people, and they just proper, like, sort the earth, family-orientated people. And, like, you and um, your brother are their sort of world aren't they? And they're, wow. they're, they're, they're so supportive, but... They're very supportive. But I think, if anything, in a way, I think it probably would have been easier to kind of go gallivanting off and living in Camden if they hadn't cared as much. Do you, does that sound ridiculous? That sounds yeah. terrible. Yeah, of course. grateful. Also, to feel protective over you, like, of, you know, growing up in South East London, it was a, it's quite a, a fairly rough and tough place to grow up. It's not the, the worst place, but, you know, I, I remember getting oh, yeah. mercilessly bullied for having, like, high-tech socks. But you oh, were dressed... Oh, you had high-tech socks? <laughs> Such a sad case. I know, it was such a big thing, but then I'm worried about that and like trying to cover up what socks I've got. And you're walking around with like a bowler hat and a, and, a, and, and I, you know, and, and this mad stuff, which is like a, a target. They must have thought, oh my God, this boy is going to school with a briefcase and a bowler hat in South East London. It's like, a, it's like a target on your back. Well, dad would say like, you're too sensitive. Stop being oversensitive. And I'd be like, they're literally <laughs> throwing things at me. <laughs> But what I'd say about Tom is, Tom, you, most people and comedians are an exaggerated version of them on stage. I'd say you've calmed down since a childhood. Yeah, I did calm down since because I've been a people, kid. Uh, well, because when I started doing stand up in 2005, if you were too weird, people would be like, you know, I say this before, I've said this before, but I, I would turn up at gigs, like, where there'd be like stag parties and hen parties. And I'd walk out there going, like, oh, has anybody seen the film Amelie? And then start talking about, like, <laughs> when I worked at the golf club pushing a dessert trolley around. Um, and, you know, there was, they would be, like, absolutely apoplectic. Like, there would be few, these braying hen parties and stag parties would be like, what the fuck is this? Because they're not particularly in the mood for, like, listening to some endearing <laughs> anecdotes. So, so, yeah, I did have to turn it down and explain myself quite a bit on stage because otherwise I think people would have been like, what? What is this? What's this? You did have an umbrella as well, which actually isn't that big a, of a deal. But in South East London, it sort of is because like blokes don't really have umbrellas. You just get wet and look yeah. sad. But like, I remember people going, he's got an umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> so was Tom a kind of otherworldly figure at school, Rob? Well, for me, Tom's a little bit older than me. Damn, so he yes, was in like the sixth true. form when I was in like year eight or nine. So it was a bit like when they're just older kids, I think by that point, I think you'd had a tougher start at the school, but at that point you were one of the oldest and I think you were sort of, it was just got to the point, which is what, from my perception, that it was like, oh, that's just Tom. That's what Tom does. And mm. he was so successful in the sort of theatre part of the school, musical part of the school. He was sort of quite a bit of sort of a star of the school. I, I, I saw him as. Um, yeah, so I think at that stage, you sort of found your groove where I think year seven and eight must have been a much tougher time. Yeah, I'd say that's probably true. Yeah, but by the time I got to the sixth form, I felt a lot more like flamboyant in my ways. I'm a lot more mm. relaxed about it. Because like, yeah, like I say, I think you can spend energy trying to blend in or you can just go the other way and be like, I'm different get over it and then actually like i guess you're different yeah. um but before before then it was like it was it was i felt very self-conscious but you realize that just after a while you just get like wound up about it and just want to you could just go well bollocks to it like bollocks to what people think you know because otherwise you can you just spend your whole time on eggshells trying to be like don't say this and don't say that but i could i could never i could never come out yeah. though as a kid i think that was probably that's been difficult for my parents like reading the book about sort of seeing how that impacts on other things. I, I wanted you on this podcast before I read the book, um, just because it's quite, you know, a funny story of being at home with your parents. It's about parenting and things like that. But what I got a lot from the book is that it's, you know, it's an excellent book anyway, if you want a funny book. But if you're a young kid, I'd say it's very good for younger people that are either a bit different or a bit outside the norm and plus or, or and or gay, because it's, it really speaks to like, to try to get through all of that at school. And as a parent, you don't know what the right thing to do or what to say is and I've had you know um even just one of your quotes that you put on Instagram people have messaged me saying that it's had an impact Aww. on their kids where and I think we, it was what you're trying to say the quote I've got here is there's a part of me that has found that if people are going to pick on you for being different you can either work to blend in so you don't get picked on anymore or you can go the other way and be as different as you can just to show them that you won't be cowed against a wall forever it's not the same as retaliating with physical violence but it's a giant up yours to anyone who's coming for you even if it does feel like freezing cold water running down your spine you 
don't do it for anyone else. You do it for yourself. And you posted that 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 quote on Instagram, and a friend of mine, I won't say names, but his son is very very similar to you growing up. He well, he he's only about seven or eight, but he requests like little Baker Boy caps, boiler suits, and he loves old tools and has to has to wear like a, a tie and a waistcoat all the time. And a, wow! A girl at school said that he was weird, and then he showed him that quote and read it to him and it really helped him and i do think this book is a great book for any you know if you're a parent or if you're a younger person that does feel different growing up for whatever reason i think this really speaks to them and it's quite an interesting thing you know because as a parent you feel powerless that your mum and dad must have felt so powerless letting their sort of special like kid go out that's you know obviously different to the rest of the boys and girls at school but you know and and they didn't know how to deal with it but i think it's a great book to sort of help kids get through that And and i don't know if you had the idea of writing it when you wrote it or if it just came out a part of the process i did it mainly for the for the money is it true you've used your book money to buy a third plate yes. is that true Tom? <laughs> true. that's true no the, well thank you very much for saying that no i did it i think i did do it to kind of I guess come because I think when you're in it as well it, it, as a child and you sort of you know you're different but you don't know quite why or how and then people are like but why mm. but why but why do you talk like I always spoke differently to the people around me and so people, but people are always like but why but why do you talk like that but why do you act like that but why do you want to wear them clothes I don't understand and people are so like kind of um, the world is so like that like something different I've got to control it and mould it so I can understand it um, because I suppose they see a reflection of their own inadequacy. But um, so I suppose I did it to kind of explain it to myself, really. And, and I, I did hope that, you, you know, like anybody who's ever felt like outsidery, uh, like an outsider or ashamed of anything or any part of themselves would go like, oh, actually, I've done things like that. And I, for me as well, I wanted to explain it in a way that wasn't like, I got bullied and then I did this one thing and it showed them and that was that and I won and I'm the triumphant this. It's a bit like when people do it on social media. I never like it when people are like, yeah, I owned that. I told them I slammed that. And it's like, (laughs) I broke the internet. That went viral. It's like "Mm, bullshit. Like, I just think, you know, it's sort of life is much more complicated than that. And actually, you know, sending like a really kind of snippy tweet back at somebody whilst can be quite pleasing to read about in a way it doesn't really in in my opinion doesn't really cure or or help anything i think you still kind of if you mm. if, if that i wanted to sort of represent it like you know if you experience kind of feeling outside like an outsider you don't see you, for me i didn't try and blend in i dressed up in victorian clothing or like i couldn't come out so rather than telling somebody secretly i threw an elaborate lunch party where i invited the guy i fancied and to RE teachers like so um <laughs> you know just sort of did like you know always kind of like what and you did that yeah. and at first like the editor was like i'm sorry what why did you do that and i'm like because i did and you know what I mean like sometimes i just i think taking yeah. kids i think they're like but you should be out playing football that's what kids do i don't want to do that why well i don't know i'm just fucking here <laughs> i just don't want I to ask to be bored i'm just here i'm just trying to get through <laughs> yeah it's not like it's a business plan at a bank <laughs> this is my life and this is what i'm gonna do yeah like i'm not it doesn't have to be like well how are you gonna make a profit from that i don't know i'm just trying to <laughs> exist i'm trying to get you know you're making me go to this fucking school that apparently everybody's got to go to i don't want to do any i don't want to do PE. I don't like the other children you, you make apparently I've got to go there because that's what everybody does and it's good for me. Okay, I'll do it. But why? But why do you do that? But why do you talk like? But why? Do, why do you leave your homework to the last minute? Well, probably because I don't really like being at school. Um, but yeah. everything's like I don't know. I'm always amazed when people's like um, curiosities are met with like what? Like kind of outrage. Yeah. And you go like, you know, well, as I always say, um, if human beings make sense, I'd be out of a job. But um, and I guess that's true of all three of us as comics. You know, yeah. people were like. Do you know what I mean? I fancied someone, so I told yeah. them, and then, then we fell in love. Well, from, you know, like, or like, I've always, you know, there's a point when I always wanted to be in a relationship, and I was like, but if when I come out, then it'll be fine. And that's always the sort of story you get told in films and stuff. And then when I came out, it felt exactly the same. And all it was now is that everyone's like, you got a boyfriend? Yeah, you got a boyfriend? And I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, people love to know, don't they? They love to know, nosy in. 
I just think it's so true that, that people are obsessed and people are a bit different going, well, why are you doing that? Because it does challenge the status quo of what everyone else is doing. But like, yeah. you know, like, well, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And I just thought, well, think, like, at school, you're like, well, why the fuck are we doing high jump? Yeah. Like, well, none of us are going to, what are the chances of any of us going to yeah. like, be a, a professional high jump? They taught us high jump before they taught us how to do self-employed tax. Do you know what I mean? This is I never got taught to do self-employed tax. Oh, I, never, well. I never stayed to that lesson. <laughs> well, no, exactly. No, but it's like they didn't do that, but I know how to fucking high jump, but yeah, I that's just true. can't I do it. To, I knew how to do the discus. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, I, I would I would actually refute that Rob knows how to high jump or Tom knows how to do the discus. I cannot picture either of those. I know you've got to spin there. around. That's all I know. Spin around and yeah. <laughs> do you remember like the first kind of what do you remember like your your first Victorian item or what what it was that got you into kind of this different image oh. i suppose would be the word um i don't know actually i think i just enjoyed i enjoyed old films and stuff and i think that was my mm. means of escape so i just sort of thought well if i dress up as though i'm in an old film maybe i'll sort of somehow be in an old film yeah yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. so weird isn't it <laughs> don't worry I'm, I'm tom i'm still living in the 90s it's a it's a less big oh, gap true, but i'm living in the past People as much as you are there's nostalgia everywhere isn't there and i suppose we're all well, well that's yeah. the other thing is that everybody's sort of putting on a bit of a performance aren't they and and people always mm. sort of say, like, oh, you know, oh, well, they don't always say, but sometimes people are like, oh, gays, why have they got to be so camp and so flamboyant all the time? We don't all need to act like that all the time, do we? And I want to go, like, yeah. you know, you're putting on a performance with your boring life and your you know, <laughs> yeah. boring yeah. rubbish life. <laughs> Pretending to love your wife and yeah, cheating exactly. on her in Malia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like all of that. That's but, a bit, but that's I'm, a bit the, I'm the troublemaker. I'd say. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, that's the same with like lads. Lads get away with it. Where like, if you're a bit different or maybe camper or a bit more alternative, it's like, oh, what are you doing that for? Why are you in that bed? You know. Mm. Do, but they're like, there's loads of lads that literally still in their mid forties to fifties dressed like Liam Gallagher with big coats and Adidas <laughs> yeah. trainers, and you sort of think your dress, your, your basic fancy dress. All of yeah. you. Like a little gang of that's, that's what you wear. It's their version of top hats, yeah. I think that, yeah, exactly. um, but yeah, and I remember at school people would start calling each other like son, all right, son. We're like, yeah. you're three months younger than me. Why are you calling me son? It's impossible. <laughs> yeah. but it's they're, copying, they're copying their dad. It's what they basically want to be yeah. their dad. That's the biggest drag of all, isn't it? Trying to be your dad. I got called Chief once when I was 14. He went, All right, Chief. Like another 14 year old. I was like, who's calling each other chip? <laughs> the worst I hate the most is when people go, all right, big man. I'm like, I'm five for eight. You said I'm fat. What's going on here? Yeah, big that's man. true. Yeah, big I'm five, man. I'm not a big man. Hey, big man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. And even saying mate and stuff. It's just like, like I remember um, when I was at school, like there were all these, all the kids just wanted to be their, their parents. I think, I don't know if it's the area that Rob and I grew up in or what, but there was a desperate desire. Like you couldn't be vulnerable. You couldn't be a child. No. As soon as you went to secondary school, especially you had to be an adult almost immediately. Do you remember right. the girls in my year having like handbags they carry on their shoulders and like blow waves and like they'd get their nails done and, and they'd kind of talk about, they'd act like they were sort of 40 and the same yes. with, the, with the boys, they would act like they were their dad. So they would, and they probably, their dads probably would encourage that, I imagine, as well, because they would want their kids to be tough and be able to deal with the world. And I guess that's a natural thing to do. You want your kids to be able to survive in a sort of primal yeah. way. But, but they would be, yeah, they would dress like their dads. They would probably go to the pub with their dads. They'd go football with their dads. Um, they would do, you know, they would call each other mate. And they'd kind of, you know, they were just taught to basically live as their, as their, particularly their dads, I yeah. remember it being. And I, I don't know if that's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it per se, but I just, I remember it feeling, I was like, well, you think I'm putting on an act? I mean, have you seen these clowns? Yeah. <laughs> Do you still live in the same area? Is it the same house that you grew up in? Yeah, yeah. So you live in? Yeah, so it's very, um, it's just around the corner from Rob. Um, it's suburbia, right? It's suburbia, yeah. yeah. And I, I do quite, as I've got older, I've realised I like suburbia. And you realise, well, it is a nice place to bring mm. up kids until the yeah. age of 37. <laughs> And when you're living with your parents, so so in, in the evening, I know you work a lot of evenings, but like, I suppose during lockdown you weren't. Are you all sit, settling down as a family and negotiating what to watch on TV? Are you, have, are you, do you have dinner around the dinner table? Like how, how does it work? We have dinner around the it... table. Um, yeah, we do have dinner around the table and then we tend to go off on our separate ways for, well, sometimes I'm working in, in the evening, so I'm not there, but um, if I'm there, they'll, mum will sit in the kitchen. There's like a through kitchen with a, with the telly she'll sit there and watch 
well, she's going to. I'm a celebrity, which um, I never thought she would be. Um, either that or maybe a Poirot, whereas Dad will go in the other room and watch Channel 5, usually about farming, preferably. And um, do you go to your room? And I will go to my room. And if I'm at home, yeah, or I'll have a bath, because that's the only time I don't check my phone. Um, and then I'll, and I'll watch, like, a nice old sitcom in the bath for hours. That's normal right but what about um <laughs> uh like sort of friends over do you have friends over to for for dinner and stuff or do you like i've been around there before for your birthdays and stuff but like do you have like what about the partners or anyone that you're seeing do they ever stay over and is it awkward no well i'm never seeing anybody no i'm no i could never have anybody over you know, like, there's, like, no way it's but it's you know that it's a vicious circle isn't it because i'm like no i couldn't have a partner because i'd never be able to invite them around but you could move out and then you yeah. have a partner no i can't move out because you know it goes around and around and around so basically um i keep myself <laughs> single and infantilized but yeah you know like, there's some families who are like they like talk about contraceptives and stuff when they're young and i'd be like oh my god absolutely not like no mention of sex i dreaded it for most of my childhood like please don't ever talk about sex i like, can't imagine anything worse than than, than having i wasn't given the chat did you have the chat rob no not really but i had older brothers and like also as well oh, the yeah. absolute state of me as a 15 where i don't think there's any sort of unprotected sex on the horizon so <laughs> you know <laughs> Is that what we've just discovered? That none of us got the chat? Not because our parents yeah. didn't want to do it. They just thought it was totally pointless looking should at we, the three of us. Should we talk to Rob about it? Look at the state of him. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. He's protecting himself. No, it's very, like, all, all that stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I knew people when I got older who were like, oh, well... You know, I was talking to my mom about how I was allergic to latex and oh, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God, I cannot imagine talk, like talking in any detail. Like, oh. And do you find it awkward then to know that they're reading personal details about you and in the book? Um, no, I left the room when they read it. <laughs> <laughs> imagine Stalin's <laughs> looking at them. What page you yeah. on? <laughs> <laughs> this is I a good page. Do you like that page? Um, um, yeah, no, I left them to it, really. Not that it has anything terribly salacious no. in it. It does have a mention of a futon at one point, but, um, but yeah, it's quite kind of easier. Like, yeah, I talk about going for an SDI test when I was about 23, which, of course, I've never told them about. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I've never... Yeah. But it does make it difficult when they're like, where are you going? But where are you going? Where are you going now? What are you doing now? And I'm like, just yeah. give me some space, That is the please. worst thing about being like at home when you're going out and seeing things is the constant questioning. And so that never stops it, yeah. does it? That just gets more intense. No realisation of why it's stressful. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Of just like, no realisation of... Can you imagine if I said this to you all the time? <laughs> like every day, like what you got on tomorrow? Like, and then you have to list everything. Um... And I don't know if I'll be home for dinner or not. I'm an adult. I'll feed myself. <laughs> so is every day do they ask about dinner? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. You in for dinner? Well, no, I'm going to a recording that starts at six. <laughs> um, do you think they realise that they're doing this? Probably not. And I think it is... I think that's the thing is I can't... Because I don't have children of my own. I don't know... You know, I think people do say it does change you when you have children. You do feel very protective. And I guess you never... And you never lose that. You never leave that sense of panic and protectiveness. But she's... Like, I remember when you met us at the park for a picnic on quite a warm day. <laughs> and your... That was insane that, that day, yeah. And your mum... Um, drove you down did she drive you down or did you walk down i think you walked down i walked down and then she drove down with me then she drove down and was like i'll give you a lift also your dad says you should take a hat with you yes and then she drove down some sun cream for your head yeah <laughs> and i was like this is insane <laughs> i mean not to blame but i do think that is that is kind of unhealthy isn't that's it? too much I mean, isn't it so but then her head too much but it's she's thinking you know she's just doing right by me not as unhealthy as not putting sun cream on your bonds tom come yeah, on right mate. and mine is well exposed as well, well exposed <laughs> all the way yeah well exposed but yeah, that was i was like oh wow that because that is quite a full-on thing to do isn't it like to bother to go because it's not like a, i would do that if it was like i'd given my baby to someone to take down a park and i forgot to put sun cream on i'd maybe ring him and go i'll put a hat on or I'd, I'd drive down with some cream so i could you know, but when they're grown, fully grown, yeah, you, you'd know if your head's burning, wouldn't you? Well, you'd think so, yeah. It was a weird day, that. And then they sort of laughed about it. But it sort of, but then I know, like, on the surface of it, I am like, what are you doing? But then I know, what am I, you, then I sort of question it and go, well, do you not want them to care? Do you want them to not care? Like, they're yeah. doing their best for you. That's in my inner monologue. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. God, oh, God, I'm a terrible person, refusing them. Yeah, but you've got to draw the line. 
you know, because then that could go to like, yeah, but they just want my bum to be clean. Because <laughs> I might not wipe it properly. <laughs> that isn't what happens. Just for the listeners. No, they don't wipe your bum anymore, do they? No. Not since you did uh, Live at the Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rob, you always, uh, you always have a question that's normally quite pertinent with a, a couple, but I think it's particularly kind of... Uh, Personal with Tom. Yes. Do you want to ask? Well, yeah, basically, the question is, is there something that your parents do um, that really annoys you and frustrates you and gets under your skin, but you know that, like, you can't really say it to them without it being a big row, but you could say it now, and if they did hear it on this, they may change that way. So it's sort of a, a thing that could help help your relationship, really. But is there something that just gets really under your skin that you can't say about it being a big argument? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think it's mainly to do with serving dishes about like, <laughs> please use them rather than just bringing things from the oven to the plate and leaving a <laughs> serving dish on the table and then not clearing them away before we have dessert. That really gets on my nerves. Just feels very... So give me an example. So they'd, they'd what, make them? A... I would say like if you've roasted some potatoes or if you've done some oven chips, you don't need to bring the oven tray through to the table yes um and you don't need to use those tongs that you've had for too long for getting them off the tray onto the plate <laughs> you just put them in a nice bowl and we could probably all help ourselves and that would be nicer <laughs> instead it's like no i'll put them on the plate so i suppose it's about control isn't it that's basically it. and also like clearing salt and pepper away before dessert i just think it's a small small matter <laughs> do you want something more profound than that? I no, I don't think there is anything more profound than that if we drill down into it. You can only ever be on brand, Tom, and you always are. And that is the most yeah. Tom Allen thing ever, that's serving dishes. Uh, Tom, it's been amazing. Thank you so much. Absolute and, pleasure. Um, yeah, no shame. Your book is out now on Kindle. Audio book as well. You've you've done your own done it yourself. So yes, that, that, that'd be a good book as well. Yeah, if you like that sort of thing. Um, and book. It's out as a book, isn't it, as well? And book. And a Just normal a book. Paper yeah. book. Words. Paper um, book. Is it out <laughs> as a paper book, Tom? Just yeah, to check. Yeah, a, a book made of paper, yeah. You're such a traditionalist that you've even done it in a book form. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, right? So very Victorian. Yeah. And it's all handwritten. And he's, he's handwritten every copy with yeah. a quill. Yeah. <laughs> Unusual way of doing it. <laughs> but the right way. Yeah, I like to think so. Cool. Thank you so much, thank Tom. You that was very excellent. Much, Tom. Cheers, bye. Thank you for having me, you guys. Lovely to get this off my chest. Bye. 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 That was Tom Allen. Um, I'm not going to lie. Um, we forgot to do the bit at the end, so Rob is now gone. So this is just Josh. Thank you to Tom. Uh, sorry. That's all right. That's my daughter dropping her uh, camera. That's Edie's dress. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We'll give that to Edie. Right. Tom Allen, whose book, No Shame, is out now. It's absolutely brilliant book. Um, I would implore you to read it. Um, obviously, if you've, if you've listened this far, the odds are you're a fan of Tom Allen. So uh, it is exactly what you'd hope. It, it's funny. It is inspiring. What more could you want from a book, really? Um, thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, um, then this is how. Email us hello at lockdownparenting.co.uk or tweet us at lockdownparents or Instagram lockdown underscore parenting. And you can also send us stuff P.O. Box 76748 London E99DW. We will be back next week when we'll be switching back into our normal order. We'll be back on Tuesday with a guest, back on Friday with me and Rob telling you about all the joys of parenting. We'll see you then. 